Welcome to No Apology with Emily and Chris. So glad that you're going to spend a little time with us today. We got some important things to talk about, and we want you to be part of the conversation. A 40-year pastor who's now a bishop in a denomination is going to be our guest coming up a little bit later. His name is Ron Bowl. Of course, Mike Shaw, yes. our news director and host of Jesus is Coming Soon from FreshRoadMedia.com, will be here for Right On Way Off. And I also have a new... Well, it's the, we used to call it like the apologetic moment yes. or the apologetic corner. Yeah. And it's actually going to be the working title this week, just to try it out, yeah. give it a test drive, yeah. is yeah. the Bible Idiots Confab. And I was wondering, can we add corner on there? Like Bible Idiots Confab Corner. Are you in a corner? Well, no, but every, Are you little Jack every, corner? Cheesy, every cheesy little bit, <laughs> you know, from the 70s has to have the word, you know, corner in it. Uh, uh, I anyway, do, well, it's not, the Bible we're not in this Confab is going to be like an apologetic Bible <laughs> right. teaching moment. Which, is, but we start yes with the opening monologue. <clears throat> we cannot call it Granny Rant anymore. <clears throat> it, no. it is me, 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 It me. is Emily with her thoughts <laughs> this week as the host of the show. Here's Emily. Da, 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 da. Uh, my thoughts oftentimes just uh, are spawn out of whatever scriptures I'm reading. For the day, and I was in Second Thessalonians the other day, and great read. Get in, read it for yourself. But there was a it verse is a good read. that really stood out to me in chapter two, and I think it's verse eleven, where it talks about God's going to send this great delusion. There's a great delusion that's going to come on the world, and so I I hit on that phrase again when I was reading, and I thought, oh man, I got to reread this again. So I backed up. Okay, and, I, I got I to gotta ask, what yes. phrase did you stumble across again? Maybe I wasn't listening. God sending a great deception uh, right, right, or right, a right, great right, delusion. Right. You're um, still on that. I, yeah. Somehow in my head I thought, is she changing course? Anyway, great well, delusion. Yeah, Go. because it's, it talks about for this reason God will send this powerful great delusion. And I'm like, okay, I forgot already, even though I just read it, what those reasons were. So so I backed up again and I reread it again. And it talks about the coming of the lawless one, the Antichrist. Things are being set up for that to happen. And it says, along with the coming of the lawless one, we're going to see a lot of workings of Satan. Okay. There's going to be signs of, of, power and wonder that he's going to perform. And those two things are going to come together. But here's the kicker. Here's what really defined it for me in verse 10, talking about these wonders and signs and power. It says they're going to be um, directed towards those who are perishing. And it kind of hit me like it never hit me before. That little part of the whole puzzle, because I realized, um, oh, I know who he's talking to and who he's talking about, where it wasn't that clear for me before. It says this wicked deception directed against those who are perishing because they refused the love of the truth, which would have saved them. Because they're refusing it, Mm -hmm. God's going to allow this... um, great powerful delusion to come and we know then that our redemption's getting really close as we wait to see um God revealing all this stuff and seeing the lawless one come into power now here's um the interesting thing cuz i think we're here is that these signs these wonders they're going to be directed toward those who are perishing and look at what we are seeing right now we're seeing those things that used to be evil they're now being called good and who is that hurting is that hurting us as believers not really we might see some persecution as we stand up against it but those things aren't hurting us per se but what are they doing to those who are believing the lie they're really hurting, uh, literally killing those who are rejecting the truth. And so now more than ever, I just want to encourage you guys, read Second Thessalonians chapter 2 because it really speaks to what we're going through You can read the whole book right of Second Thessalonians today. in less than 10 minutes. Exactly. Just, I mean, 15 if you take your time. And you'll see it. You'll see it coming to fruition. 
And I hope that that spurs on empathy for the lost, Mm -hmm. even though things are getting really dark and really hard and the persecution starting to heat up at the same time, let your compassion for the lost also be in the mix. Don't let that grow cold and keep standing on God's word. Because right after that, right after God says he's going to send that powerful delusion, Mm -hmm. He then tells us to stand firm. Stand firm in all those things that God has shown you and taught you and let him um, let him just hold your heart in that firm place. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, so that is that's really that's really what's been weighing in my heart of late. Okay. Is that we're seeing things heat up. Things are starting to make a lot more sense as I read the scriptures. It's like, oh, yeah, I see that now. I see that now. I see that now. So get into God's word. Know it for yourself. Now is the time to proclaim truth. The days are coming to a close. Don't be afraid of the persecution. Don't be, a, don't be afraid of the suffering that God has said, yeah, you're going to suffer for my sake, but it's okay. The reward will be great. So hang in there. Yeah, All it's right. always easy to say that. Yeah. And then when you start to suffer, it's like, why, Lord, why? Uh, yeah, but here's the thing. I didn't say it. God did. So (laughs) (laughs) that's why I'm like, get into God's word. Because, you know, when sometimes you're right, though, Chris, sometimes when we're just talking back and and forth, it's just like, (laughs) yeah, that's easy to say. But when we get into God's word and Mm -hmm. we're literally hearing from God himself through his revelation, there's power there. There's power there that does encourage the heart, and and it enables us to stand firm. His word is life. That's absolutely true. So very good. Awesome. Um, So let's go to now our new, well, it's not a new segment, but our newly named segment. Test drive. Bible Idiots Confab. Yes, let's do Apologetics with Chris Danielson. Go. The concept of Bible (laughs) Idiots is that people call us idiots for believing the Bible, and we don't care. We'll take the moniker. Um, that is, you know, about the level of suffering that Americans really are used to. <laughs> right now, yeah. Is, and yet I always go back to sticks and stones, you know. Words don't matter. It just... We were it, taught that as children, and I think that that was a good thing. It was a good thing. Yeah. Well, the the Bible Idiots confab moment, kind of s- a little bit on what you're talking about. Um, it is about following your heart. Mm. And I preached a message yesterday, which you can find at BibleIdiots.com or FreshRoadMedia.com. Click on the Bible Idiots link. And it is called Stupid Choices by Smart People. And David made an incredibly stupid choice in Psalm 20, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel 27 when he basically had a conversation with himself and went off the rails for 16 months. And Ron Bowl, who's coming on this show, actually coined the phrase to me, and it's called sin splatters. Mm. And my sin is just not going to be me. It's going to be how it affects a lot of other people. And that's what I want people to understand. The call to righteousness in our culture is frowned upon. The call to righteousness in the Christian community, I'm not talking about secularist or I'm not talking about lefty, even lefty in the church trying to be Christian, and we it's pretty obvious they they don't. They don't have much of Christ as far as like living out. It's it's in their it's in their speech. It's in their actions. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about people in the church that are walking with God that sometimes decide to not lay down the things next to the Lord and next to Scripture. Instead, they follow their own heart. Mm. Hollywood has used this as a storyline, and it's a powerful, powerful attraction to follow your own heart. Right. Chase your dreams. Don't give up. Well, there's so much <laughs> truth in that. But who are you following? Yeah. And what are you laying it down next to? And the great delusion that is coming, a part of it that is already here has to be where we make ourselves out to be our own gods. Yeah. Yeah. And it goes beyond the idols that every Christian has. And if you really want to look at the Bible through the proper lens, a lot of what's being talked about is people who are professing Christ. And we, you, I used to read this, and I know people still do. You read some of that as that's the lost people in your town. No, no, no. These are people who are professing Christ who are actually lost. That's yeah. a lot of what Paul's teaching and Peter's teaching are in the New Testament. Right. When you get your mind around that, then you can understand that you don't follow your own heart. 
what you do is you take that new heart that you've been given that's full of the Spirit, and when you have that follow-your-heart mentality, you lay it down next to Scripture, and you know that this is God now leading you mm-hmm. to not give up on that dream that He put in your heart, that you know the promises that you felt that He made for you years ago that haven't come to fruition yet, you've got to let Him continue to do it. There are some things that we have in our life where we really feel God's calling us to do something, and it just doesn't work out. Mm. I know I heard from God that he said, don't worry about this, and now this is up in my face. And now we're months past this, and it's like, well, that actually happened. That actually went down exactly the opposite of what I felt like God was calling me to. So then you have to ask, what is the lesson in that for you? Mm. If you are kingdom-minded, see, because at the end of the day, when the suffering hits, when we try to follow our own heart and the problems arise, then we blame it on God. We blame it on him not doing what we wanted him to do yeah. instead of looking through the lens of what can we do. Yeah. So biblically, First Samuel 27 through chapter 30, um, you see David just have the most incredible fall from grace. In fact, he's even embedded with the enemies of God, and he's pledging his allegiance to the enemies of God. This shows that no matter how far off the rails you've gone, Christian, there's still a chance for you to come back. No matter how far lost you are and you've never been saved, you can come to Jesus now and be saved. The long arm of mercy right. is what we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, on him, on his terms, though, I mean, you know, you are coming back. David, such a great um, life to examine because I don't think there's really much that he went through that we can't in some way relate to. Um, but he had to come back. He did have to come back. And the, yeah. thing, and the thing is, is that a lot of times we get to that point when we've been following our heart to where we don't want to come back because mm-hmm. part of it is, I don't think he really wants me back. Yeah, And that's what this True. message is, is that David was restored and you can be restored <laughs> as well. It doesn't matter what it is, you can be restored, which is why Christians, when we've been harmed, we're supposed to pray for our enemies. One of the byproducts of that praying for our enemies is that you hold the door of grace, at least a minimum of cracked open. It, it can be wide open or at least cracked open for those folks to come back and be restored right. in your life if they have the right repentant heart, especially True. in church world. Yeah. So. yeah, human beings are still human beings. We are prone to do the wrong thing, <laughs> and yet somehow, some way, Jesus Christ still gave us his ministry of reconciliation, which is really an, a miracle in and of itself. Absolutely. Um, but Chris, you and I both, because we're married and we have very um, you know, personal, intimate conversations with, with each other, both of us have gotten to a point like David where it's just like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done with this whole God's plan because nothing seems to <laughs> be working out. The suffering is intense. Yeah. Let's just be honest. It can be intense for the human being. Hey, God, can um, we just go to like rural America and live a quiet life? <laughs> and. Yeah. And and do all those things. Exactly. So, and then boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Okay, I guess we're still in the fight here. <laughs> well, there's a whole bunch of people in the fight with you. Don't let us forget that. And we're going to take a short break. Yep. And we're going to come back with Ron Bull um, because he's in the fight right along with us. And we can uh, let some iron sharpen iron and learn from one another. You're listening to No Apology with Emily and Chris, where we laugh louder, dig deeper, and live larger in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, if you enjoy listening to No Apology with Emily and Chris, if you get any encouragement from it, please consider standing with us financially. Go to FreshRoadMedia.com and consider giving a wonderful gift today. It is appreciated. Welcome back to No Apology with Emily and Chris, where we give you the truth unapologetically while we're laughing louder, digging deeper, and living larger in the Lord Jesus Christ. Emily, we've got a special guest standing by. We do. Co-laborer in the Lord. He's been a pastor for many, many years. He now holds the title of bishop, but little, well, not a little known fact, kind of a big known fact. He also is in the Kansas Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ron Bull joins us today. And Ron, thanks for spending some time with us. Hey, blessings to you guys. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's it's a great guest, and and uh, Ron, you were in a band called Friar Tuck and the Monks, which had a couple hit songs, <laughs> and you guys weren't actually living for the Lord back then. So oh. let's get a little bit of that background. Yeah. Let's go back to that journey real quick so we can set it up because uh, your de- your daily devotions, you've written five of them, and they're fantastic. And I'd love for our audience to to know about that on your first appearance on, on Emily's show, and we can get into that a little bit later. But let's talk about Friar Tuck and the Monks from back in the days before Jesus got a hold of your life. Well, I grew up on a farm and uh, was the all-American boy until I went off to college and got into a rock band. Well, I was in I was in a rock band in high school, too, but was still living with my parents. But once I got out, uh, got into alcohol um, and, and some drugs, but uh, ended up being an alcoholic. Uh, but the band I was with, Friar Tuck and the Monks, we, we played all over the Midwest, and we did make some recordings. And uh, then years later, the uh, Kansas uh, Music Hall of Fame uh, inducted us in, I think it was 2008, uh, into the Kansas Music Hall of Fame. What was it like having been a pastor at that time? By 2008, you'd already been a pastor for 20 years, probably. What was that like to go to that event with that, that background? I mean, how, how did you shake out that in your own spirit to, to go do that? Because I thought that was pretty cool. Well, it was a, you know, a half-hour performance, and so we picked some good songs that we used to play. Uh, two, uh, one, two of the guys are now gone, but we had uh, all of them there except one. Uh, and then I also had my sons play with me, which was cool. Both of them are good musicians and singers, and so that kind of helped oil the skids for me to get down there. And we played in one of the places we played many times in Lawrence, Kansas, it used to be called the Red Dog Inn, and now it's uh, Liberty <laughs> Hall, I believe. Uh, but yeah, Red Dog Inn. Red Dog to Liberty Hall. I love that. Okay, so talk to me a little bit about um, you making that transition from being an alcoholic, being in a rock band, and you came to know the Lord. How did that happen? How did that come to be? Uh, my wife, Carrie, became a Christian about five years before me, and then she began to pray for me. Uh, and she kind of snuck in on me. She would bring good Christian music into the house. And, it, <laughs> and she, she learned about Christian rock bands like uh, Petra, Second Chapter of Acts, uh, Randy Stonehill. And she started putting those on, and it piqued my interest. And so I saw uh, an ad in the paper one time for Second Chapter of Acts playing locally at a college. So I said, let's go to that. I want to see if these guys are for real. And, well, they were. And... Uh, Buck Herring, the manager, came out on stage before it all started, and he just sang that chorus, Jesus, Jesus, there's just something about that name. Kingdom, kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there's something about that name. And then there was these 3,000 people in there singing this song a cappella. And all I can say is I think that was when the Holy Spirit pierced my heart. Hmm. I had to confess there was something about that name, because I could... I could cuss it, but I couldn't discuss it. It scared me. Uh, Interesting. And, um, after that, uh, about three months later at Christmas time, 1980, I'd finally hit bottom and, uh, and asked my wife, how do I get to this stage where you are? And she prayed with me. And we started going to a local church. And just so happened there was a pastor there that had been a heroin addict. Saved through Teen Challenge, and he discipled me. And three years later, I was pastor in that church. It, it was an incredible journey. Um, so they That's didn't know amazing. what. Uh, the bishop then, who's like me, tried to talk him out of it because he said, <laughs> This guy's brand new. He's been in drugs and alcohol. And they said, No, we've watched him grow. We want him to be our pastor. So. That is amazing. Okay. So Talk to me a little bit about music, because there it just seems like there's something there. The impact that music has on people. Is it, in your opinion, is it more powerful than words alone? Or is it just... Uh, talk to me about that, the impact that music has on people, whether it's Christian or secular or whatever. There's something about music, isn't there? No, you're right. I think that's very biblical. I think music has always been part of worship, for instance. I, I think if I had to explain it, I think 
the music is the oil that gets the word into your heart. And it depends on what you're singing, what goes into your heart. Mm-hmm. So if, uh, like when I was hearing that music at home before I was even saved, something was happening inside of me. I was, I was listening. Uh, but I wouldn't have listened to that had it not been for the music. Yeah. And it was music I understood. It was rock music, which mm-hmm. I know a lot of Christians have kind of said, no, nah, you can't do that. But I got news. Yes, you can. And <laughs> well, you know, when you look at David and Saul back in when Saul was going insane, um, David would play music that would calm him down, that would, that would, that would chill him out for a little bit. And so when, um, you know, I, I, I like music the same way. And I remember being a teenager and my brother had the, the, the one stereo that we all wanted because um, he was the first one to get a job and actually could buy things. So when they were all gone, I'd go down to his stereo and I'd crank it. It went from zero to 10. Remember those volumes that, you know, they still make volume buttons like that. It would be on 10. And Mine I would just be. My you stereo, had 11? Yeah, I went to, I had one that went to 11. Yeah. <laughs> Always a skosh better, aren't you, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I remember how soothing that was in high school um, to just have that music cranked. And, and some people can't really relate to that. But I, I want to talk a little bit about the, um, the worship band experience, because now you've, you're still a band leader. I mean, we were at a conference together three years ago, and you were the band leader. And, you know, that's still your, your role. And I, when I met you, I had kind of in my heart this idea that, if you were going to be on stage doing anything for a worship band experience, you needed to have a testimony. And you and I, you know, had some great conversations and I I my mind was changed. And it was changed because you said no, uh as long as the worship leader has a testimony and everybody else holds their water, uh and you would recruit people from the bar to come over and play in your band because you and you said and I'm quoting you now, you said People can't sing about Jesus very long without being impacted. And maybe I'm paraphrasing what you actually said, but that's, that, that was the thing. And so the main thing I want to talk about is that uh, with you on our show. There's so much that Emily wants to get into, and we'll go wherever she wants to go. But I really want you to explain <laughs> that again, why you could recruit guys from the bar to come and play on your worship band, and, and you watch Jesus move in that area. And then we've got a follow-up question. But, but, but go ahead and tell the folks why you did that well i i think uh, first of all desperation when you start <laughs> when you start a new church uh, you don't always have people that that know how to do music well but uh i was actually inspired by another pastor here in town that had planted a church about 10 years before and he used this technique on a couple of musicians that i knew and they came to christ um now not all of them and I think it also matters with your church. Uh, it's easier if you're starting a church to, to bring stuff like this in, because mm-hmm. uh, I think it would be more difficult in a, a setting that's been around for 50 years or something like that. Um, but I, I do believe, and don't forget, it's just not Sunday morning. Uh, you have to rehearse with these people. And during rehearsal, you have a, you have a chance to testify to your, your faith and to act it out and not act like a horse's patoot. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of musicians are. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, once they see genuine faith, it, the Holy Spirit's going to use that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, and they can say no, of course. I've seen musicians that walked away later and, you know, it didn't phase them. But many guys have come to Christ through that. Um, yeah. uh, now, they have to be good musicians, too. Um, my theory is that anybody who comes up to me at the first visit at church and says, I want to play in your band, you ain't going to play in my band because you've got the wrong spirit. Uh, I don't care where you played, who you are. I want to know who you are. Um, and if you've got a heart that's willing to, to grow and move toward Jesus, uh, then we can use you. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's debatable. I understand that. And it worked for me. It worked for some others that I know. Um, and maybe it's not for some people. But yeah. I think it's an avenue. It's kind of like it's kind of like witnessing at work in a way. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't think there's anything holy about the stage. I think the people up there 
are the ones that uh, lead the spirit. Uh, you know, your pastor, your worship leaders, and things like that. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and now, now, I was also gifted in that I had three or four other strong Christians with the worship team. So you don't bring in a whole. I didn't bring in a whole crew of unsaved people. Right, right. But more, even, but even more, if you have somebody in your midst who is known in the community as not being a quality Christian person and they're seen and now everything's on multimedia so it's not just those that come to the church now it's everybody's checking you out online oh that lady's what what's she doing up there you know because we know what her testimony is in the community and it ain't very good okay uh that's kind of the blowback that sometimes happens and how would you respond to that well i would say then that's not who i'm looking for if they're judging people by their appearance and who they think they are I'm looking for the lost person that knows that guy who says, hey, he's at church. I'm going to go check him out. That's who I was looking for. Mm -hmm. uh, we purposefully didn't look for people that had been in church before because, frankly, some of them are people you don't want in a new, a new work. Um, they bring their biases and a lot of times their hang-ups and hurts. And I call it the traveling Wilburys. They they go from church to church when it's starting up, and they take their troubles there. Yeah, and that, you know. Uh, and musicians are are some of the worst because a lot of musicians are very egotistical. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that creative. It's that creative process, and sometimes that is. Because I know I'm a creative person. Sometimes that is an inhibitor to working with others. So let's just say you have a worship leader, um, maybe is listening and thinking, I know a few people who are great musicians who don't know the Lord. Maybe this is an avenue for us to go down. What are some important things you want those worship leaders to know um, before they just jump into that scenario? Because like you said, it, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But what are maybe some potential pitfalls um, or what are some things that the, that the worship leaders need to keep in mind if they take that approach where they're going to welcome in someone who's not a believer with the intent and with the effort to witness to them and possibly bring someone to know the Lord? Yeah, well, I think one thing is realize that it's, it's not a perfect process mm. and may lose sometimes. I mean, uh, I think secondly, you have to, you do have to consider and, and be ready to give answers to people in the church who have objections. I mean, that's, it's right and good that they may question that. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you have to also decide what's your purpose is our purpose to win lost souls or is our purpose to, to look good on stage and all be holy. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's different attitudes about that. Um, yeah. I think it's something that I wouldn't like write a book and say, this is how you have to do it. But I could write a book and say, this is how it worked for me. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. You'd have to really, you really have to look at it on an individual basis. The individual that you're going to maybe approach to come in, yeah. the individual church that you are serving, um, the individual musicians that are around you at the time, because that can even cause conflict among the worship team. Um, well, sure. So an individual basis is what you're looking at, really. If the guy is actively selling drugs in the community, that's probably not a good idea. Uh, right. And if it's a small community, everybody knows that. But if he's somebody that's just kind of wandering around lost, trying to find a band or or thinking about changing his life, well, hey, there's an open opportunity. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. Awesome. Ron Bowles, our special guest. Ron has been a pastor for over 40 years. He's now a bishop in a, in a denomination uh, called Brethren in Christ. And the, uh, the, we, we've had a real good relationship with him. Ron, you've been there for us in so many ways and, and given wise counsel about so many different things. And we're talking about worship music right now and, and who can play and who can't. And a lot of it comes down to um, where, okay, if you don't have a testimony, you can't be on stage. Ron says, no, that's not, not true. you got to have a good worship leader to be on stage. And I've kind of taken that on. Like, I see the benefit of that. 
But Emily's always pointed out the pitfalls. So it's been very encouraging for me for you to kind of talk about both sides of the aisle. It's almost like meat sacrifice to idols. Sometimes the right thing to do is to say, no, you can't be on stage. And other things, the right thing to do is say, no, you can be on stage and sing along with us and play along with us. And so it's, it's really comes down to a discernment factor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I don't think you want to put somebody on stage just because they're a good musician. You want to put somebody on stage that you think is maybe on a search in their life. Um, for instance, uh, you can have a great lead guitar player, uh, but frankly, a, a lot of worship music doesn't need a lead guitar player. They need harmony and blended. It, it can rock, but a four-minute solo in the middle of a worship song is very distracting. That's yeah. not what you're there for. And so if you've got somebody that insists that, hey, I have to show off my talent, well, then they're not the person you're looking for. Yeah, you really got to look at the, try to discern where that person is um, in their spiritual journey and their heart condition. And so I would agree with that. I remember Chris and I did go one time to a church where I, I don't know if the guy was a believer or not, but when the church service was over... Um, he started playing Tom Petty's, what was the name of the song? Running Down, Running a, dream. down a Dream. You know, the name of the name And everybody was all excited and they loved it. And I, and I don't dispute great guitar playing. That's great. But I left church, we're driving home, and in my brain is just Tom Petty's song, Running Down the Dream. And I, I was mad well, that he, that's he, the last thing in he warmed my up brain. With that. He warmed up with that like 20 minutes before the service because right. we, we happened to be there early. No, we weren't speaking. We were just like, can we find a home church? We had yeah. just gotten transferred to Tucson. And yeah. this was in a Tucson church. And it was, I mean, what would you say to a guitarist that, that all of a sudden, you know, everybody's leaving that. and he grabs his guitar and starts playing that and gets like four or yeah. five groupies in front of the stage? It was just awful. <laughs> I didn't want that to be the last thing in my head as I left a worship service. Well, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I will say this. Uh, one of the things we did at the church I planted was uh, because it was called the Rock and Roll Rehab Church in Salina, we would often take songs and make them worship songs. They're pretty mm-hmm pretty close like we did a tom petty song called don't back down and if you think about the words to that song it makes a pretty good encouragement for christians not to wilt every time they get faced by something change a few words yeah yeah we did that with a lot of songs uh uh and it was it was a hit uh because it drew people in now we didn't do it with songs that didn't match um you gotta have Well, that dovetails into the other thing I wanted to make sure we talked about, and that is uh, you have a radio show that has been playing weekly. Um, It's a weekend on on rock stations. And, you know, I don't remember the name of it right now. And, you know, I, I, I should have done my research and gotten this better. But the bottom line is you play secular classic rock songs and then you talk about the spiritual flip within each one. And you've made the case and you do every week. I think you have 50 some shows recorded and they just rotate you know throughout the years now um and 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 i told you i said this is such a great idea i'd love to you know get some money and and put together a whole production and 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 syndicate this nationwide uh the get the money part is where we always fall down so (laughs) Um, that's a a small detail isn't it just a minor deal but but you take classic rock songs and i'd love for you to give us a couple examples and then you not only play them on these classic rock stations but when it comes back to you you would then do this like spiritual flip and say hey everybody's seeking jesus whether they know it or not again bring us up to speed what was the what is the name of that show and 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 then take it from there give me a couple song examples it's it's called the crossroads radio show because the church i founded was called crossroads salina kansas at the crossroads of america that's their that's their theme. And so it just worked. And we're at a crossroads in life. So it's called the Crossroads Radio Show. And we take six songs every sa- every Sunday morning. Uh, it is uh, ab- about a half hour show. We've pretty well got that down pat. And um, we take songs that are, and, and it plays on two classic rock stations in this area. And we put it on at 10 o'clock in the morning when everybody's in church because we're not looking for church people. Mm-hmm. We're looking for 
lots of people. And we put it on at 1.30 in the morning, Saturday, Sunday morning, when the bars are emptying out. Um, now, the effectiveness of that has been diminished a bit by uh, satellite radio and stuff. More people are listening to that kind of thing. So, but anyway, uh, good examples. Uh, Dust in the Wind by Kansas. Mm-hmm. If that isn't a biblical concept, I don't know what is. We're all dust in the wind. Mm-hmm. Guess what? God knows what to do with dust. And so in between the song, we might just mention that. Take about 30 seconds in between each song to mention how this song really is about life. It's about our souls. Uh, another one, uh, I Want to Know What Love Is uh, by Foreigner. Um, you know, that that's the quest of a lot of people today. Yeah. They know what love is. And guess what? We know where the answer is um, often. And, you know, we use these flickers of faith in church, too, mm-hmm. which are scenes out of movies. But what, what I always say is Hollywood asks the right questions many times. They just don't have a clue what the answer is. <laughs> right. We've got the answer. That's Jesus right. is the answer. And so uh, and at the end of that show for about five, oh, uh, maybe more than 30 seconds, about a minute. We kind of sum up the gospel real quick, tie it in with the music we played and say, look, if you need to make a commitment today, you can do it right there, but you ought to go to church somewhere just today. Uh, anyway, and, and, that's- and throwing another song out there that uh, there's a band called Carolina Liar, and they have a song called Show Me What I'm Looking For. And the chorus literally goes, save me, I'm lost. <laughs> yeah, no, those are great great examples. He uh, does then say, I'll pay any cost. Well, you can't pay your own cost. So that's where it kind of goes off the rails. But that's the heart cry of the human being. Emily, you had something. Go for it. Uh, well, I'm just thinking, you know, I love that because I, I love, I do like classic rock. And I think that music, um, you know, contemporary pop music, I think it's changing right now where there's going to, as the future <laughs> progresses, there's going to be fewer and fewer songs that we can even pull that out of. But it is abs- actually very, very true in that you hear it in a lot of the rock music, even today, where they aren't believers, but they still know the human condition because they're a part of humanity. And right. so every once in a while, we will hear a song where it's like, no, they're touching on something that's really real and really true and part of the human condition. Um, because God has said he's written eternity on the hearts of men. We know, we know that there's something there. And oftentimes, whether we're trying to do it or not, even non-believers, they'll inadvertently um, reflect that because we're made in his image and eternity is written on our hearts. You agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that radio show is not for believers. It's for people that are seeking, and only God knows who those are. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws people, but he uses things that we do to do mm-hmm. that. That's what mm-hmm. we tell our people in church. God can use you. The Holy Spirit can draw people through you. Well, look at that life. How would God do that? I don't know, but mm-hmm. God does that. Well, same thing. You know, just We even used the Rolling Stones and really took heat for that. But he's, you know, there's that song, you can't always get what you want. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get what you need. Yeah. You know, that's that's a biblical concept. And so you build on that. You don't deal with every lyric. You build on the idea or the title of the song. There and you, you, go. you turn it to God's favor instead of letting the devil use it. That's how exactly. I look. Exactly. Fantastic. I love it. That is a good point. Ron, you have any final thoughts you want to leave with the audience on your first, uh, hopefully, of many appearances on you Emily's uh, No Apology with Emily? <laughs> uh, no, I, I just am glad to talk to you guys again. And uh, I, I just think that Jesus is still working in the world. The world's a crazy place. It's getting crazier all the time. But he's the answer. And just keep lifting up his name. Hmm. There's power in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And I, 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 one of the things I critique on Christians so often is that we talk about God all the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. But name the name. Because he either repels people or he draws people through the Holy Spirit. So use his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. 
Awesome. All awesome. right. Thanks so much for joining us, Ron. Stay with us right here on No Apology with uh, Emily and Chris. We've got Mike Shaw coming up around the corner. Big thanks to Ron Bull from Kansas for being with us. And don't forget, everything is at freshroadmedia.com. Hey, if you enjoy listening to No Apology with Emily and Chris, if you get any encouragement from it, please consider standing with us financially. Go to freshroadmedia.com and consider giving a wonderful gift today. It is appreciated. You're listening to No Apology with Emily and Chris. Thanks for being with us. Oh, it's awesome. Hey, if Ron Bull was our special guest and, you know, he, he said something. He's like, you know... Uh, sometimes musicians can be uh, possibly a little arrogant. <laughs> They're the worst. <laughs> and I'm like, the next thing you're going to say is that pilots and doctors are full of themselves from time to time. <laughs> anyway, I love Ron and his basic approach to so many things, but like conflict resolution, just been there, done that. He's planted a couple churches. He's he a oversees person. like 30 churches right now. Yeah. And he understands the fight that Christians are in. And he always circles it back to be faithful to Jesus and make his name great. At the yeah. end of the day, there's power in that. And I, and I share that with our people, but I'm, I'm not sure we're all getting it. <laughs> I mean, I, I wish I could communicate as clear as that most of the time. I, you're I don't know, writing maybe. the prescriptions, but you're not sure people are getting them filled and taking their meds. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, let's, what, what are we doing, Hostess uh, we, with the Mostest? It's time to bring in Mike Shaw because oh. I want to play some right on way off before we close out this sits. day. Yeah, there he is, waiting so patiently. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it's pretty good. All right, Emily. Fun. Let's do it. I've got three statements. You guys are going to tell me whether these statements are right on or way off. You may think that these are some softballs today, but they are they're, they're good food for thought. Okay. So we'll start with the first one. It says, God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Is that right on or way off? Chris, we'll start with you. What do you think? God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. Can I pass? No. <laughs> <laughs> you are not on your way right. to earning points here. <laughs> I'm going right on. Okay. And Why? Because all goodness comes from the Lord. God's creation, when when he made it, was perfect. And, and the elements of all of those things still remain. Mm. Yes, the fall of man. Yes, the, the, you know, the, the, the original sin and the corrupted fallen nature now all around us, but there's still God's goodness here. I struggle with the... And you're going to be like, how did you go to the rapture theory on this? <laughs> I struggle with the rapture theory up until one point. Okay. One point is that God removes his spirit. It's pretty clear. The Bible says that. And, you know, in the times of the end, in the tribulation, God starts to remove his spirit. Well, if the spirit lives in us, how can we be here? Mm. And that, you get, get what I'm saying? I do. So I'm going to say that all goodness, all peace, everything that ever good has ever come is a result of God's immense love, long arm of mercy, and any other adjective you want to add. All right. Mike Shaw, what do you think? Do you need me to repeat that? Well, and maybe, uh, yeah, go ahead and repeat it, but I already know my answer. Okay. Uh -huh. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such Thing. I am it's, so right on. All right. Okay. Very good. Yeah, Why? So I love Chris's answer, so I'm gonna, I'll am i just um, <laughs> go a different direction with it. Okay. Good. Uh, because since Chris uh, you know, hit all those high, point, high points. But when you think about the world, mm -hmm. and if you think about even before you were saved, it's like, wow, I've had, I had good moments. I appeared to have peace. Mm -hmm. I was successful. Things were going well. Um, I did good works. You know, I yep. gave to charities, I worked for a nonprofit or or whatever it may be. Yeah. But keep this in mind. Without Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have an account with God. Mm. It none of that counts. Yeah, it um, doesn't matter. You yeah. have to you have to be in the kingdom first, and then you're gonna have good works, not to do good works, you're gonna have good works as an outflowing 
of the love that you have for God and that that flows from him through you to so others. What you're yeah, saying is yeah. once you get an account with God, then you can earn your way to salvation. Is that <laughs> no, what you're that's saying? That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. But it's, I know. Yeah, right. But no, but, again, it's like yeah. read, read James and with an understanding and yeah, yeah. Right. you'll see the good works right, are required, exactly. but it's not required. Right. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's not like, required. The, it's a fruit. Yeah, know the root by its fruit. There you and go. Well, so if you're not bearing fruit, then maybe check then your root. You get fig tree shriveled. And <laughs> right, yes. And then, <laughs> then that's Faith trouble. Faith without works is, is dead. dead. Is dead. You guys are both correct. That is right on. The world really does have nothing for us apart from Christ. Anything that is good is so, from God so himself. So I shouldn't, shouldn't make the T-shirts earn your way to free grace? No, you shouldn't. <laughs> In fact, you know, I was thinking about uh, Ray Comfort because he talks about his conversion, and he talks about how, hey, you know what? Love Life Ray. was going good for yep. him. Yeah, I love Ray. When he came to know the Lord, he yep. didn't have to get, you know, to this horrible place in his life where he needed yep. to be rescued. He just realized, oh, yeah, you know, I do do bad stuff, mm-hmm. you know, do and, do. and he needed to. Yeah. Yeah, I do right. do that. Yes. I do do that. And do so, do bad stuff. Yeah. I'm, Define do do. Uh, well, it's <laughs> earning your way to free grace. <laughs> we no. are moving on from do do. All right. Uh, it mm-hmm. rains on both the just and the unjust. And you can look at that both ways. You can look at rain being very life giving and you can also look at rain being devastation. And so we we all are in the same boat. We're going through the same things, good and bad. The question is, do you know God and does God know you? So I love that. That's that's good. Um, you guys both get a point. Oh. Yay, you're tied. Statement number two, those who don't know how to weep with their whole heart don't know how to laugh either. Hmm. How true is that, Mike Shaw? What do you think? The wheels are turning. Hang on. Okay. <laughs> Calculating. Uh, man, I don't know. Uh, I... So if you That's don't know how to one. if you don't know how to weep with your whole heart, then you don't know how to laugh. Either. Those who don't know how to weep with their whole heart don't know how to laugh either. Hmm. I, Sounds like a leftist conspiracy. It sure does. <laughs> oh my goodness! Am I going to get canceled if I get this wrong? Uh, no. Okay, good. But she won't get any of those points I won't get that you want so much. <laughs> Am I competing with Chris now? I thought we were competing with no, you. No, yeah, it's the minions versus the master over thought, there. That's what I thought yeah. it was. But she said we both had a. Anyway. We, we each well, got a point. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, right, right. Um, I, I'm stalling for time. Uh, yeah, I know. The answer is not coming. So I'm going to go way off. Okay. Um, I, I have weeped many times. I don't know that I've weeped with my whole heart. Um. Maybe I held back a little, at least sometimes. Mm-hmm. I laugh a lot. Yeah. yeah. So um, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. So I'm just going to go way off. Way off. All I right. think you can weep three quarters and still laugh. All right. Very good. Chris, what do you think? I'm way off. Okay. I'm way off. I've seen Sad Sack weep with his whole heart, and none of my jokes work. So. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. So I'm way off. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, I want you to know that you're both wrong. Okay. Uh, oh, that course. is right on. Uh, uh, any ideas who that might have? Who might have said that? Mm, Satan. Someone who knows a lot <laughs> no, about weeping. Kidding. I think. Uh, Jeremiah. Oh. I'm gonna go with Socrates. <laughs> Socrates. <laughs> no, Some call him awesome. Socrates. Yeah. But, uh, no, it was Golda Meir. Golda Meir. Uh, and so here, think about oh, this that, though. Yeah. Okay, think about this though. And from the Jewish people, hey, yeah. there you go. You know, there's 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 yeah, a lot there. We're grafted into. Um, so. I think that the joy and the laughter, as opposed to the deep deep sorrow, mm-hmm. it's one of those things where. Um, you can't have one without the other. It's like big and small. So it's Golda Meir's analogy. Yes. And so yeah. you're saying that we're saying way off and we're wrong. It should be right on because it's we right on. It is right on. And she, you know, she talks. I think what she's talking about is, you know, when you are going through really deep, deep things, mm-hmm. that's what then eventually makes those little joys in life immensely joyful. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. It's a dichotomy. It's a, it's a, it's like you can't have big without small. It's a You're juxtaposition. Not, exactly. Yeah. And so <laughs> the depths to which your heart might weep mm-hmm. will be the depths to which you will also or can possibly yeah. find joy and laughter. And you can find them in surprising places. And so 
Um, With the explanation, we stand yeah. corrected. Yeah. All right. Very I good. see it, but I'm, now I don't we're, buy it. Now all. we're tied up. Master one, minions one. So Golda Meir gets the points for that. The last one. People sleep peaceably in their beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. Is that right on or is that way off? Chris, what do you think? Used to be right on. Yeah. I don't know what we got going on today. Well, I mean, with the feminization of men all around the country. Truth is truth. So yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, that's the reality. What look up the term meek. The meek does not mean weak, okay? Meek means that you are controlling uh, an aggressive nature that could do harm if mm-hmm. push came to shove. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the reasons we live in safety. Mm-hmm. If, you know, there are always enemies, and if our enemies know that they can come and take our land, they're going to. Right, okay? right. The reason they don't is the cost versus benefit factor. Most generals and kings and whatever, they look at that over history what is the benefit of trying to invade this country versus how much the we're going to lose to have to do it? What's the cost? It always be, you yep. know, comes with a little bit of a cost. Yeah. So uh, I'm right on. Okay, right on. Mike yeah. Shaw, what do you think? People sleep peaceably in their beds at night only because rough men stand ready to do violence on their behalf. Yeah, that is so right on. The corollary to that is weak men bring hard times. Mm-hmm. Well, we're seeing that in America. That's what we're seeing in yep. America yep. and yep. around the world. Yeah. And uh, And it's a cycle, right? Right. You have hard times, strengthens men, which you have strong men. People sleep well at night, which means they get complacent. Men get weeper, weaker, Mm -hmm. and we get weepier. (laughs) And then that brings hard times. So the the cycle continues. Uh, I I love the word, though. uh, They stand ready to do violence, which means they're not running around doing violence. They're just ready. And so uh, I think Jordan Peterson, this is not a direct quote, but he said words to the effect of, um, a harmless man is not a good man. Right. But a good man is someone who is very capable of doing violence, uh, but controls yep. it Restrain. and restrains Which, himself. That That's is, a good man. Yeah. And and the Holy Spirit is the best restrainer yeah. of all. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, well, and you think about it. When you're it sensitive too. to it. Moses was the meekest man on the earth. Mm. And yet he was like God's best friend. So he had a lot of power. Yeah. But it was restrained. It was restrained. And, and Chris's yeah. definition of meek was right on. And you, you, you know, very few people bat in the league of Moses. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's just a handful in right. all of human history. Right. And yet in the middle of that, Moses still got ticked off and struck the rock. Yep. And that, yep. then he wasn't able to go into the promised land yeah. until he was transfigured on the mountain, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. at least that's biblical for me. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's understanding that people do make mistakes. Yeah. You know, I, I, had, a, I had an acquaintance of mine um, who uh, was acquainted with the seminary I went to, and he was, in, he was pastoring a church in Brooklyn, young man, and he got into a fist fight out in front of the church, mm. and they took his ministry away. Yeah. I have always felt bad because yeah, right. there's been many times I've had to throw down. I didn't want to, mm-hmm. um, but you do. You know, thank, thank the Lord it's been over 30 years now since anything like that's ever <laughs> happened. But yeah. uh, the bottom line is, is that I, if, if somebody's being threatened and they throw down, I don't, I don't hold it against them. Right, um, right, right. Christian men are supposed to be better than that. They're supposed to turn the other cheek. Well, yeah, you can say all that, but in the heat of the battle, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know? Protect right. yourself, protect your family. Yeah, That's what you're exactly. there for is to protect your family. That's, what, that's why you have the physical benefit. That's why you have, you know, y- your emotions work a little bit differently than women's. God created you a little bit differently than women. And I love it because um, Billy Graham tells a story of how someone was trying to break into his house. He mm-hmm. dragged them out into his yard, beat the pulp out of him, and then shared the gospel, and he came to know the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's, yeah. yeah, better than uh, yeah, shooting. Up until, up until the yeah. share of the gospel, it sounded like Billy grew up in my yeah. old neighborhood. Yeah, like you're not going to do that. That's against right. God, and I'm going to yeah. protect you with everything. God's working on all of us, and I can tell you yeah. there's no question. There's no question if God would have made me six one six two six three. I'm not a pastor and I'm not serving Jesus right now Mm -hmm. because there's been so many times where I was about to go rage against the machine and I realized 
I'm probably setting myself up for a big hurt because I don't have the I don't have the goods to take on three guys at one time or whatever the case might be. And that then caused me to have to stand down. Right. Many times God will use circumstances in your life to get you to stand down mm-hmm. where you, you're not able to do what you would have done had you had the strength, the resources, whatever, you know? Right. It's like I've got friends of mine who they should never, ever, ever carry concealed weapon because they don't have the temperament. Something bad's yeah. going to, they're going to, they're they going to end up doing bad. They don't have the self-control. Yeah. And, and uh, some of these guys are saved. You know, yeah. and and they this is their testimony. I can't do concealed carry because if you know you cut me off in traffic, I'm hanging out the window blowing blowing rounds at your tires. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's that that's a little maybe TMI, but no, it's all good. Um, it's absolutely true though. You both have a point. You're tied for two, and so yay, you both win. Two to so, one. We the minions win. Yeah, and that is a quote actually by George Orwell. And as we all know, uh-huh. he had tremendous insight. That dude yeah. just had tremendous insight uh, into the human condition. And yeah. so we. And how power unchecked will enslave, yeah. not, exactly. not most of the time, every time. And yeah. what's going to stop that? What's going to stop that enslavement is rough men, men at yeah. the ready right. to do whatever it takes to. And in our culture, we could say real and men right and true. women because there are yeah. a lot of women that that's that want to want to be men, and you know that's okay. Well, uh, as far about, as far as like you know gender gender roles where the woman has to be in the home and and the man has to be on the front lines with the gun. I mean that's kind of changed in the world culture. So when you say man in that concept, I, I, I I'm hearing people. Yeah, people are going to be aggressively standing up and there's a lot of aggressive women out there uh, I don't want to fight. Well, when you look at the... <laughs> They're well-trained. They're definitely well-trained. Uh, and some of them can outshoot some guys. So. Yeah, no, we, no. yeah, some of them can. We won't talk about that. Mm-mm. But what we will no, talk we about is that, uh, the Israeli IDF, uh, both girls and boys have to go yeah, through two yep. years of training. Yep. And so, like, you look at, oh, what was her name? That Dr. Ruth, tiny little woman and just... <laughs> You the know, sex every, therapist, yes, yes. And she from the was, Letterman show. Yeah, and she, um, it was Dr. sound Ruth? advice. It was sound advice yeah, that right. she was given, but she was a sniper. I mean, hello, wow. you know, <laughs> who knew that? But yeah, I mean, reading through even the Bible, you've got women who are shoving pegs, you know, uh, tent, tent pegs sticks. through yeah. people's heads. Well, right now, like I, right now, if yeah. I say, when hey, the occasion calls for it. Right yeah. now, if I say, pray for the soldiers uh, of the IDF that are going to go in, oh, into yeah. Gaza, yeah. you immediately have a male stereotype in your mind. No, when we say pray for the soldiers of Israel that are going to get, get in the middle of the conflict, it's men and women yep, side right. by side doing yep. a lot of stuff. Right. Um, so... Uh, God, I think, has strengthened women in, for this time in ways that they weren't strengthened maybe in, in before. Yeah. And there are there's an ongoing problem, and that is men are being feminized at a level that we've never seen before. And yep. that, yeah. I really hope, stops because, you know, this, this you know, macho, you know, aggressive male, you know, it's just such a put down from the left that we actually want to be real men. We want trucks. We All want right. tractors. Yeah. We yeah. want guns. That's what boys like to do. Uh, I would encourage every liberal that hears my voice right now, go read John Eldridge's Wild at Heart. Please do. And then commit your life to Christ and uh, come on board with those of us who maybe know a little bit more than you. Yeah. And that's hard for you to hear, lefty. You know, you can... It's hard for lefty to process. As a woman, I don't think women totally understand the power that they hold just in being women. And so even though you have a tremendous amount of power, that doesn't call you to be in a power struggle. Um, And so God created us to function in a very specific way. And um, it's not always what man determines. Um, And so read through the Bible. Read some of those stories. Know how God himself, how Jesus interacted with women. And it's not a feminist thing. It's not a we're equal and we're the same. And Mm -hmm. it's not. We're very, very different. And we complement each other. There is a reason when God said, let us make man in our image, he made man, and then he also realized, mm, this guy's going to need a little bit of help. <laughs> it's not right. good for him to be alone. Yeah, you know. Let's pretty good, do... but he needs some help. Exactly. So, and then he created women. And yeah. so, yeah. You know, you know what Archie Bunker says all. about that? Yeah, I do. But you know, do you, you Mike, do you know what Archie Bunker says about that? <laughs> uh, no. 
Yeah, God made woman out of a man's rib, and we all know ribs are a cheaper cut of meat. But <laughs> <laughs> um, like, sounds like yeah. cheap. But, yeah. You know what's going on right now, though, is of course Satan is attacking uh, family units. Yeah, and absolutely. So how do you do that? Yeah. You yeah. know, he's got the whole world attacking the patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. It and is. so that women are yep. equal and the same. And we're seeing all it's this gender healthy. confusion. We're seeing, you know, men racing as women and yeah. Yeah. all yeah. this confusion. Where does that come from? It comes from Satan who doesn't want to yep. have, he wants to have fatherless kids. I know. Mm-hmm. Those right? fatherless kids. Vulnerable. Yeah, are vulnerable. Very if everything vulnerable. is the same, and I'm going to be within three or four uh, percentage points on my uh, percentages I'm going to give you in this because mm-hmm. um, I'm going off of memory, but if everything is equal and everybody's the same, um, then this would never be a fact. But this is a fact. This is scientifically proven. Barna, Pew, those research firms, I mean, big time. This mm-hmm. is not just, mm-hmm. you know, somebody on a corner with a clipboard asking five people their opinion. But here, here's, here's the, the statistics. And I used to be a professional broadcaster and be able to say that. A child goes to VBS and comes to know the Lord. 9% of that family will then come to know the Lord. 9% of the time, the 9% rest of the, of the time will come to know the will Lord. Will come, as come well. to know the Lord. That's great. A woman goes to a Bible study, gets saved, all right? 38% of those families, after that woman gets saved, the family then becomes saved. Well, nice. we saw that with Ron Bowles' interview earlier. That's so, right. Yay, Ron Bowles, part of that 38%. Yes. Yeah. 92% of families come to know the Lord if the man of the household accepts Jesus. Mm-hmm. We are very equal, but we are not the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are, I'm all for uh, women being able to do stuff that men do. And I'm all for men, you know, I'm all for a guy of being course. a house husband if that's what, if that's what he's called to do, sure. to be, you know, at, at the home while the wife's uh, an attorney making 200 grand a year, you know, whatever right. the case might be. I'm not against those unique circumstances. Exactly. But what I have watched our culture do from everything from gender roles to, you know, abortion to anything where you can take the exception and make it the rule. Yeah. And there are exceptions that, you know, in the in the gender confusion role that people point to to then make that blanket across across the uh, across the the landscape of whatever we're talking about. Let me give you an example, and then um, we'll, we'll get Mike Shaw's fi- final thoughts, yeah, and we'll yeah. go. Mm-hmm. If anybody says that they're pro-choice and they claim Christ, which is very hard to do, in my opinion, very hard to do biblically, if they do and they start using rape and incest as a reason for their pro-choice stuff, ask them this question, and you'll find out immediately who you're dealing with. Ask them, say, okay, before we talk about rape and incest as being an acceptable alternative, can we agree that abortion on demand is wrong and should be limited? That answer will tell you who you're dealing with. Yeah. So many times the exception to the rule Isn't would, really would, would just dominate. About. And let me give you another example. We're on the air, big show, the whole state of Arizona, and Mother's Day is coming. I think it was Mother's Day 2008 or 2009. can't remember which year. doesn't matter. But we wanted to do a Mother's Day giveaway. And so mothers could apply uh, online. They could send emails or whatever technology we had in 2008. Um, and then we started getting some blowback. There would be uh, this one lady was like the head of it. And I don't know if she recruited the other two that called. But we ended up with three phone calls. Um, well, three different people multiple times approached the show saying, what about the motherless? What about the you know, the, the wombs that are the barren wombs out there. Do you realize how hurtful you are when you come on every day and do this show? So there was a temptation, and it was real, to kill the bit, to not do the Mother's Day giveaway, uh, to not honor the mothers uh, at all because of what might happen to this other little group. We said no, and we stuck with the bit, and I'm so glad we did. But then I've watched that. Since that 2008 Mother's Day, I've watched that infiltrate everything. Yep. Yep. In other words, all the women that, that work hard to be like swimmers, okay, you don't matter. It's this one exception to the rule. This guy needs to be felt like he's a woman, so he gets to compete with you and take all the medals. Mm-hmm. Do you follow? Yeah. When we capitulate to the exception to the rule, we run into trouble. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean we don't love those 
in the exception. We want the best for them, but sometimes they have to be told no. Yeah. The rule is still the rule. I hope yeah. that makes sense. Sorry for the soapbox at the end Stop of the show. Stop doing it. Stop doing it, guys. <laughs> uh, if it doesn't include you, then guess what? It doesn't include you. Yeah. The, but you don't you don't get to take it away from from the other people. Don't be envious, jealous, hurt because someone else receives something you haven't gotten. Mike Shaw, do you have any final thoughts? Just to jump off of that real quick. Don't take offense. Don't take yeah. offense. Don't yep. take offense. That's if you the don't, thing, because yeah. Satan is trying to get you to take offense. Yeah. And, then, and it goes sideways every single time. It so. does. Chris, All right. Final yeah. thoughts. Uh, I want everybody to go to freshroadmedia.com. Think about financially supporting this outreach. We need your help. Mm-hmm. Uh, things have gotten a little better, but it's still nowhere near where we can, you know, really blast away nationwide. If you feel like this honest, straightforward, uh, take no prisoners, just be authentic Christians is worthwhile and needs to be out there, then go to freshroadmedia.com yeah. and stand with us. Love Emily, it. your final thoughts on well, this show. Well, just to take a little glance back to your um, joke about um, about the woman coming from the rib and that's a you know cheaper cut of meat, that's all fine and good, but we that's will a bad joke, make sorry. note that God <laughs> did leave the rump roast alone intact. <laughs> Just boom those are my final thoughts. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. I hope you have a very blessed day. And uh, keep it right here, Fresh Road Media. It's your place to be encouraged. No apology with Emily and Chris.